Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. The disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And we're going to look at the very first thing Jesus told them and he tells us in how to pray. And we're just going to dive into it. Uh, we're going to look at our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's where we're going. And I know that all of us here and you who are listening, we all know that Prayer is important. We know that. We even love prayer. Of course we do. We know that. But if we are honest, sometimes we could be honest, uh, prayer sometimes feels like something I just don't do enough or something I should be doing more or I should be praying harder or longer or with this kind of prayer and, and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and when you think about it, often when we speak about prayer, we often speak about ourselves, like, I'm not doing it well enough, I should do it a little bit more, and stuff like that. And the focus sometimes is a lot on ourselves when we talk about prayer. And even sometimes we talk about prayer in terms of, we would never say this, at least not us, because we are so, such a good Christians in this room, but sometimes we talk about prayer almost like in a transactional way, like we are kind of, I have a problem, I ask God for help, he helps me, I move on, then comes a problem and I ask him again, help me, and it's almost, sometimes it ends up being almost like a mechanical transactional thing, if you, um, if you understand what I mean by that. Um, and that's why I love, love, love this opening, how Jesus says, this is how you approach prayer. I love the opening of our Lord prayers because these very first words totally shatter that idea of prayer as something mechanical or transactional or even something to be good at, to be good at prayer. That's this, his very first words, just throw that out the window. And I honestly think that we are not always reflecting on this very first word of our Lord's prayer. We have babbled them hundreds of times. But I, sometimes I think maybe it's a little bit like, let's say that I am in need of, something happened in my life, I need a car. I don't have a car. Uh, Justin here, he has a car. So I actually need to ask Justin to borrow his car. But I don't want to be rude. I don't want to just walk up to him and say, hey, give me your car, I need it. So I walk up to him and I start small talking a little bit like, oh yeah, how's the weather? And how, how's about the weather? And uh, uh, will Manchester United ever be better than, than, than Liverpool? And, uh, and uh, how's your family? How's work? But all I want to do is just get to the point where I can ask, like, hey, I really need your car. Can I borrow it? But I just kind of go through the motions a little bit just to get to the asking part. Sometimes I think we treat these opening lines like that. Sometimes. We kind of come to God and say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. But we just want to get to the 
deliver us from evil. Give me my daily bread. Help us. We just want to get to that asking part quickly. And we just kind of go through the first line sometimes. Not you, of course, but there are people who might do that. (laughs) And Jesus starts by putting everything in perspective. And he radically tells the asking disciples what prayer is. And today I want to keep it a little bit short and simple. But we're going to look at the words he used. Just this first beginning of his prayer when he teaches us. And be open because I do believe that God is here. The Holy Spirit is here and he knows you. So if there's anything I said that speaks to you, take that and, and take it with you. If there's anything I said that is, doesn't make sense, just leave it. It's probably for the ones sitting next to you who have lesser understanding than you. Uh, so just take whatever God speaks to you. Let's go. Our Father. First word. Our Father, that's where Jesus starts. Think for a second again about this. I need, I must, I have to. And Jesus' first word is Father. Boom. He doesn't say Father, boom. That was my (laughs) theological comment on using the words of Father. He just says Father, and boom, right there, he throws out the window the idea that prayer is something that is mechanical. Right there, the focus on me, my method, my problems, is not important anymore. He deliberately starts by using the word Father. That's how I should pray. My focus is not there anymore. He says, the very first entrance to prayer is to turn my focus away from myself and unto God. And he doesn't just say God. He he could say the creator, the ruler, the almighty. Of course he could. But he chose to say, this is how you approach God when you want to pray. Father. Very. and, And for them, in this time, the first century Jews, I think this is actually a little bit shocking for them that he would he would speak of God with the word father when they were reading their Torah they would not even pronounce God's name they would use the letters in a certain way so it wouldn't so it would be a, a sense of distance reverence not a nothing personal and here Jesus tells them if you want to learn to pray Start speaking to your father. It's, a, it's quite radical, actually. For them, it might be shocking. And for us, I think we are so used to the word father. So I think we actually need to think, what is he actually saying? <laughs> Not just go on. And these two words, our father. I think in these two words, we have the entire essence of the gospel. Even the Bible. These two words. This is, this is what it's all about. You who sit here in this room, you are created by God. God has, in His grace, forgiven you for all your sins. He has cleansed you. 
take this, take this as I say it. He has cleansed you. You are adopted in, on, into his family. It's family. It's our father. You are restored in his image. He has made you his child. And you have all the rights of a child. Romans 8 says, the spirit of sonship in, is in our hearts. And we cry out, Abba, Father, the most intimate word for Father. That's who you are. So when, when they ask him, teach us how to pray Jesus, the very door into starting approaching God is taking this in. Who do you pray to? Who are you, who are you um, entering into? And it says it all, it says it all how vulnerable I could be. It says it all how simple I can keep it. It says it all how happy I can be, how sad I can be, how open, because it speaks of a father. Father speaks of the one who had deep, intimate love for you as a child. Your father knows you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every battle. He knows every step. When you think no one looks and you just sigh and say, I don't know how, how I could do this. When you feel like, ah, I don't know where to go. Your father is there. He is waiting for you because it's a fatherly love. And a good father he is. He is a protector. He is a provider. He is a carer. He is full of love and admiration for you as his child. So this is not some far off, uncaring, distant being that we are told to approach when we want to learn how to pray. God, as your loving parent, Jesus wants that to be your entrance into prayer. Think about that a little bit. Can you see that? Father means that he is personally, emotionally, sacrificially involved with us. And suddenly here in the very two first words in this prayer, or this guide to us, it becomes extremely personal. It becomes extremely deep. And it becomes so far from legalism or um, performance as it possible can get. Nothing to do with that. How, you're, how, how important you are. It becomes so far from legalism and performance as it is possible. When my son, he is nine, when he calls out, Papa, that's what he calls me. Of course, something happens in my heart when I hear that. Because I, I love him very much. And I'm just a sinful, simple person. God is the father that he is, that we kind of learn from. But when he calls, this was just last week, in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock. In the middle of the night in the room next to us, I just hear like, Papa! Really loud. And I was just, boom, waking up. Running into his room, what is it, what is it? And he's like, you know, when I grew up, I'm going to make a movie about a family called Pettersson. 
and it's going to be monsters and blah, blah, blah. And, and I just actually just melt because, like, he is so secure, and he's just, like, call out his power. And I said, okay, wow, that sounds inciting. But don't you think it's a good idea to sleep a little bit more? I was like, yeah, okay. And then I went back. <laughs> but it's something about his confidence. And yes, I am always that loving and present when I wake up in the middle of the night. Don't ask my wife. Just believe my word for it. Uh, but it's something that happens, you know. Papa. It's like, wow, oh, I melt. So, my simple point to this, our Father, is that this, when Jesus said, this is how you pray. This throws away, even for us today, that prayer is something, somehow a mechanical thing to master. Something to be good at. Now it's all about our access. It is not transactional. It is relational. That is what Jesus points us to. Prayer is not transactional, mechanical. It is deeply relational. Why would he otherwise choose the first thing to say is Father? And this matters. We must know who we come to when we pray. And by the way, it says, it doesn't say my father. You know, the Bible is full of that, like my savior, my king, my God. So, of course, there's a room for that. But it's interesting in this prayer, everything is our father. Give us our daily bread. Deliver us. It's, it's, and my simple point by just pointing that out, and our father, is when you are born again, you are no longer a lonely child. You are born into a family. It's our Father, and that's what Jesus wants us to focus on. You know, we might be a bit strange and annoy you and sometimes do hurt. We hurt each other, but at the same time, we are all adopted into the same family. We want to lift each other. Next Sunday, we will be with churches from all over Malmö. Same Father. You know, there might be traditions that you find strange, but you, are, you can also be a bit strange. You know, we have the same father. <laughs> In scriptures, order of words matters. Order of word is a clue often to what is important or dominant in a passage. And our unlimited access to a loving father is what Jesus starts with. And I think, I think our father is what the rest of this prayer feeds from. Who are in heaven is the next thing he says. Just have it in the back of your mind a metaphor of a microscope and a telescope. A microscope, look to the details. Like, and it could be like for me, like looking inside. And everyone who knows me knows that I think that's important. You should name it. You should talk about what's going on. But this microscope is, you know, just staring into the details. And sometimes we can get lost in that. And the telescope is the opposite, like staring out, giving the big picture, seeing what's the, the greatness of it all. And Jesus' instructions in our Lord's Prayer start with looking in the telescope. And he's putting our situations and our prayers in the right perspective. That's what I think, who are in heaven. And the location of God 
in this way of what he teaches is very interesting, I think. It's very inspiring, actually, in heaven. And we are just merely going to scratch a little bit on it. Uh, but he says, Father, is a very narrow thing, who are in heaven. Heaven suggests something that is far above, beyond. And the beauty is that these two are simultaneously the same, the true, the nearness and the beyond, the in heaven. So we're looking through the telescope a little bit in the beginning. Psalm 139, David says, but God is not only in heaven, but you are everywhere, he says. There's no place I could run. There's no place I can go and you are not there. And the quality of God, like in theological terms, is his omnipresence. He is everywhere and he is above. And we dial it back to us a little bit. Uh, that expression, we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we walk around in our mess or around everyday life and it's almost like walking in a forest with a lot of trees and we can't get perspective we are just lost we walk from one situation to another walk into a tree and that's the next tree and we feel like we we don't know where to go we have issues like stares us in the face sometimes that just takes all the focus so i can't even walk i, I bump, bump into things and because the things are so close to me I can't see the forest for the trees. What would be needed there is someone who could look from a um, helicopter view from above that forest and just see, walk there, walk to the right. And there you have some rest. There you have a coffee shop or there you, this is where you, someone who could see the entire picture. So where is God? Our Father in heaven. The Lord's Prayer locates also God in heaven. And we're going to look at it. That's a realm that is beyond the earth, beyond its boundaries. It's beyond our countries and our sanctuaries or churches. When we say, when we approach God, you are in heaven. We probably name that God is not of this earth. That's what we're saying. Because the world cannot contain God. We are looking through a telescope, seeing the bigger. Listen to this. God cannot be made small. He cannot be domesticated or tamed or fit into our limited boxes of understanding. And we also, by saying this, acknowledge that while God is the creator, he is not the creation itself. God is above and beyond the created world. And cannot be contained by it. That's why I sometimes find it interesting when we still kind of know this is what you should do, God. This is how you should answer my prayer. This is when and where you should heal. He is above. He is so much more. So Jesus says, I will teach you how to pray. Pray to your Father who are in heaven. Worship him who is outside of our forest. Our realm, he's omnipresent. The universe is in his hand. He is not like us. He is already there. Sometimes I feel stuck. And I need to just lift my hands and say, God, this is where I'm stuck. You are above this. You are beyond. 
you are already there, the thing that I worry about. Is there anyone else that feels that need sometimes to have that perspective from God in the heaven? You can even raise your hand and just so we feel like we're on the same page. Yes. And can you see this beauty? There's so much beauty in this start of this, of the Lord's Prayer. You're looking to your Father, near and loving, and at the same time, He is in the heavens. He is outside. He is above everything. And I see this beauty in Psalm 46.10. I cannot hold the microphone and not mention 46.10 every time. He says, be still and know that I am God. It's so extremely beautiful to me. Be still and know it's, it's intimate. And just in the same Psalm 46, if you zoom out and just look at the verses, it talks about when nations roar and mountains tremble. And it's very dramatic. And God is the one who puts end to wars. And it's big. It's loud. It's powerful. And in the same Psalm, be still and know. It's so beautiful, this. Right now, you who are sitting here, God is in his throne. He is above us. And he is near the one with a broken heart. That's where he is. So when we cannot see the forest for the trees, Jesus tells us to start by getting the perspective, who we pray to, and how great and above all he is. So the focus is so not on me. Thinking about this, the nearness of a father and the greatness of a father in heaven. Kind of just one thing that makes sense to me to do when I just allow myself to, to, to not just run through these verses, but just stay here. And I'm thinking about a response, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing it, because it feels like that is the natural thing to do right now. And help me out. You don't know this song, but help me out. I just feel like saying to God, like, All I can do is fall down on my knees and cry holy, holy, holy. Come on. All I can do is fall down on my knees and cry holy, holy, holy. Now, all I can do is fall down on my knees and cry holy, holy, holy. I want to read it, but I want to sing it so. This is, that is the natural thing to do when that's, that's where you start. So we just naturally go to hallowed be your name. And that makes sense by now. This is everything about Jesus saying, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And this is where you start. It makes sense now. Looking through the telescope, putting your asking and your need in proper context. Worship. And if we only give our Father in heaven some attention, just pause a little bit, give it some attention, our focus is shifted right away. And the only logical thing is to worship. The only logical thing would be to f fall into adoration. 
meaning, adoration meaning to worship with deep love. When I find myself focused on his greatness, that could be in a meeting, but it often is when I'm sitting with a word or on my way to eat or thinking about him or just being quiet. When I find myself focused on the telescope, on his greatness, I find myself where I'm actually supposed to be. I find myself breathing and walking what I'm supposed to do, who I actually am created to be. I am created to be in deep worship, to be in adoration, to be in relationship with a loving father. This is who I am. I am not just someone who asks, this is who I am. And I actually personally see this as my secret in life. I know who I am. I am just a simple man that is that exists to worship, to exist, to adore, to just be with God before everything else. Justin mentioned last Sunday that before the fall, Adam and Eve just spent time with God. They didn't have a lot of sin and questions and problems because it was before the fall, but they just were together in adoration and relationship is relational. Sometimes it helps just to bring out a psalm from the Bible and just start reading that, start focusing on that. Or even these lines that we start, this, just give that some attention. Like, you are Father, you are in heaven, and what that means. A quote from the Book of Common Prayer in 1662. Adoration is lifting up the heart and mind to God, asking nothing but to enjoy God's presence. When that's where I am, that's then I'm where I'm supposed to be. No matter the challenges, that's the perspective. Sometimes when I come to God, I just start by being still, just start by pausing, start by rejoicing, praising Him, focusing on Him. And sometimes I even forget what what I was supposed to ask but sometimes after that this is my ask God and just to kind of yield to that and just go from that and today it's all about the perspective we could actually have the band come up if you want if you want <laughs> uh, today about approaching God in worship and adoration is all about perspective. And we're going to look at one of the most amazing prayer times described in the Bible, I think. Uh, and I'm not going to do these words justice. I'm just going to quickly mention it. It's from Acts 4 and 23 and so on. And the background here is an example of this, what I'm talking about, like, how to start approaching God in times of needs. Apostle and Peter, they have been dragged in front of the religious court. They have been preaching Jesus. They were simple, ordinary men. And they were now being dragged in front of the religious court with the high people and the powerful people. It must have been extremely intimidating. They would just come before the court and said, shut up, stop preaching Jesus. Go back to where you come from. Stop doing this. 
They were simple people. They didn't even know that they were going to be in the Bible one day. You know, they were just doing, and they were intimidated. They were scared. And we see how they respond to that. I'm going to read it a little bit quickly with some comments. But that, what do they do? Acts 4, 23. On their release, after being like, stop doing this. Peter and John went back to their own people and reported everything the chiefs, priests, and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, this is the interesting thing. They respond, we might have, oh, we need to form a committee or we need to come up with an action plan. We need to do something about this. Their instinctively reaction was this. They raised their voices together in prayer to God. And look, look at their telescope focus, how they just, Sovereign Lord, they say, you made the heavens and you made the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant. And then they go on and they go on and say, they conspired against Jesus and they spent a lot of time just directly approaching God but telling him things that he already knew. Of course, he knew that he had made the earth. He knew about the Holy Spirit and that they crucified Jesus. But they just put everything in perspective. They just worshipped him. They adored him for what he is and what he does. And then they kind of, after doing that, they said... In verse 29, now, Lord, consider the threats. Enable your servants to speak. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs, this asking part. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. This is a nerdy point for some who likes that, or if you're an engineer, I don't know. It is, in English, these words are 137 words, this passage. And only 35 of these words are praying like we think, like asking. Everything else is them speaking out who God is. 74% of that passage is not about help, help me with this and that. It is about who he is. That's not, this is, we don't need to start the 137 word um, movement or something that's not the point the focus is they were in a crisis and they put that crisis in proper context perspective they started directly on god sovereign god they just started by approaching him adoring worshiping him they looked through the telescope before they turned to the microscope Putting their crisis in proper context. It's the same with Goliath. Goliath was scaring the entire army of Israel. But David saw Goliath through another, through perspective of the living God. So we are actually just ending with that. And we are looking at Jesus teach us how to pray. And sometimes... We rush through the opening statement just to get to the asking part. Let's not do that again. Let's 
actually stay and see what he's saying. Let's bring out the telescope. No one who looks at the sky at night, clear sky full of stars, no one st stands there and say, oh, how great I am. You know, <laughs> you get lost in what you see and like, wow. Let's not just rush through these opening lines to get. Uh, so for me, that this is what Jesus chooses to start. When he's teaching me how to pray, this is where he starts. For me, it takes, it is so freeing. It takes the pressure off that prayer is something that I should be good at or perform or mechanical. It puts me, my situation, my request in proper perspective. It reminds me why I exist to enjoy and to adore and worship God. So I'm going to end with just a simple prayer. Our Father, God, our Father, you know us. You know us by name. You know us. You love us like a fa proper father. Open our hearts to you right now, Father. You see everything. Teach us to just be in your presence as a child we are. And Father, you are in heaven. You are above everything. You are outside our boxes of understanding. You are not like us, God. You are incredibly big. We are incredibly small. Help us to see your perspective, God. And hallowed be your name. We worship you. Help us see you. Help us just have your perspective, God. Amen. Oh,